you have your Bibles with you, we're going to start in Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 9 to 14, and then we'll flip over and look at Galatians 6 in just a moment, but wanted to start with Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 9, please hear this public reading of God's Word. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So since Thanksgiving is coming up this week, I wanted to start with a passage that dealt with at least something about giving thanks. Let me just read again, starting in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I'm paraphrasing another author here who says it like this, does anyone have more reasons to give thanks than we do? The answer is no. As sinners who have been forgiven, slaves who have been freed, blind men and women who have received sight, spiritual crippled cripples who have been healed all by the gospel, we have real reasons to be known as people of thanksgiving. We do. We have real reasons to be known as people of thanksgiving. D.A. Carson, commenting on Colossians 1, says this, not to give thanks would be mute testimony. So if we don't give thanks, it's silent testimony to a catastrophic loss of perspective. So when we are not giving thanks to God, it means that we have a catastrophic loss of perspective per Carson. He continues to give thanks. To give thanks with joy is to remember that the Father has qualified us to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. What Paul is saying is that to live a life worthy of Jesus Christ is to overflow with joyful thanksgiving in the light of the salvation we have received at His hand. Just a couple of weeks ago, Tyler and Victoria got married, and at their reception, Liliana and I were sitting at a table with, let's see if I can remember correctly, I think Mary Beth and Hannah and Jen were sitting there, Liliana and I were sitting there, and then... Nate, I think is his name, the guy who's saying, I keep forgetting his name, but Nate and Tiffany were sitting with us, and Nate asked us if we would share our testimony. So we went around, everybody shared their testimony, and then we sort of turned the tables on them. We asked them to share their testimony to us. So all seven of us got to share our testimonies. Well, that's a wonderful way to redeem some time with other Christians is simply tell your testimonies together, because when you do that, you listen to other people, and you're reminded of God's grace in their life. You're hearing about how God broke into their life, how they how God saved them, how God opened their eyes to the beauty of Jesus. And then when you go and you tell your testimony, you are being reminded of God's grace in your life as you remember how God saved you, how God transferred you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His beloved Son, whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. We have real reason to be known as people of thanksgiving. So the first question as we come to our time of confession would be, are our lives marked by thankfulness to God. Now, if you flip over a few books to the left to Galatians chapter 6, I want to look at a couple of brief verses from Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, we're just going to look at verses 6 and, or verses 7 and 8 of Galatians 6. Galatians 6, starting in verse 7, Paul writes this, "'Do not be deceived,' 
God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So I just want to focus in on the second half of verse 7, well-known, famous portion of this verse. Paul says, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So this is a law of life that Paul is giving to us that applies to every area of our life. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. This is true in the natural realm, and it's true in the spiritual realm. It's true in the natural realm. If we sow corn, we're going to reap corn. If we sow wheat, we're going to reap wheat. If we want to get blueberries, you're not going to plant strawberries. So it's true in the natural realm, but it's also true in the spiritual realm. Whatever we sow, we will reap in the spiritual realm. Now, before we came to faith in Christ, all we did all day long was sow to the flesh, sow, sow, sow to the flesh. And then God breaks into our life, transfers us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His beloved Son. And then all of a sudden, now we have the option to sow to the Spirit. So once we become believers, we have these two options before us. Every day, Alistair Begg said, every day we can either sow in the field of the flesh or we can sow in the field of the Spirit every single day. So the question before us as Christians every day is, which field am I going to sow in? That's the question before us every day. So a, a few questions to think on. What does it look like for us as Christians to sow to the flesh, and what are we going to reap if we sow to the flesh in this life? So what does it look like for us as Christians to sow to the flesh. John Stott is helpful here. He says to sow to the flesh is to pander to it, to cuddle it, to coddle our flesh instead of crucifying it. He continues, every time we allow our mind to harbor a grudge, nurse a grievance, entertain an impure fantasy, or wallow in self-pity, we are sowing to the flesh. Every time we lie in bed when we ought to be up and praying, every time we read pornographic literature, we are sowing, sowing, sowing the flesh. You, you get the idea. Every time we sort of pander to the flesh rather than crucifying it, coddling the flesh, every time we sort of think about things we shouldn't think about, every time we look at things we shouldn't watch, every time we read things we shouldn't watch, every time we're lazy spiritually when we should be praying, we're doing something else, we're sowing to the flesh. What are we going to reap in this life if we as Christians sow to the flesh? Well, we're going to reap loss of joy, loss of worship, spiritual dryness, spiritual decay is going to set in, and we're going to see the weeds of sin will begin to flourish in our life. Bitterness and anger and frustration, irritability, complaining, all these things will rise up if we sow to the flesh. What does it look like for us as Christians to sow to the Spirit? Well, one of the big ways we do this is by using the means of grace that God has given to us. That would mean Bible study, studying the Word of God, delighting in the Word of God. is one of the ways we're going to sort of the Spirit, is delighting in the Word of God. I was, I've been reading a little book on the Reformation recently, and in that book they talked about Ulrich Zwingli. And Zwingli, when Erasmus published the Greek New Testament, Zwingli bought it, and he couldn't believe it. He was filled with excitement that he actually had God's Word in his hand. He was so excited that he copied out most of Paul's letters, and it said that he memorized most of the Greek New Testament. He memorized almost the entire thing because he was so thrilled that he had God's Word in his hand. We will sow to the Spirit by delighting in the Word of God, loving to chew on the Word of God and think on the Word of God. We will sow to the Spirit by prayer, by making use of the throne of grace. I was listening to a guy recently who said, how many billions of prayers have been lost by us as Christians because we sit here and we stroll, scroll, 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 scroll on our phones and when we should be praying. How many billions of prayers have been lost? So we sow to the Spirit by, by making use of the throne of grace. We sow to the Spirit by worship, by fellowship with other Christians, by making use of the sacraments, by regularly coming to the Lord's Supper. What will we reap when we sow to the Spirit? Well, we will begin to reap uh, the fruit of the Spirit will be, become more and more evident in our life. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control will begin to flourish in our life. We will reap a harvest of holiness when we sow 
to the Spirit. So the three questions are, have we been marked by thanksgiving? Have we sowed to the flesh or have we sowed to the Spirit? One last thing I'll say is this. My guess is with, with this upcoming break and with upcoming maybe Christmas break next month, my guess is that everybody watching and everybody in this room, we will all face the temptation to sow to the flesh over this break. So here's what I would say. When we come face to face with this temptation to sow to the flesh, we need <clears throat> to remember and think through the consequences of our actions. We need to remember that if we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap what we sow. We need to remember in that moment when we sow to the flesh, we are going to reap loss of joy, loss of worship, spiritual dryness, and the weeds of sin will begin to flourish in our life. So in that moment, we think through what's going on here, and we turn to the throne of grace, and we plead with God. We say, Father, help me. I am being drawn to this. I do not want to give in to this. I do not want to dishonor you. I do not want loss of joy. I do not want to be dry spiritually. Help me to turn to you. Help me to sow to the Spirit. I want to sow to the Spirit. Help me to sow to the Spirit. I'll give you a few moments to pray silently, and I'll close this. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have delivered us from the domain of darkness. You have transferred us to the kingdom of your beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Father, thank you for this amazing reality, this amazing truth that has happened to us as believers. Father, help us to be filled with thanksgiving. Help us to be overflowing with joyful thanksgiving as we remember what has happened to us, as we remember your grace. Father, forgive us when we fail to give thanks. Forgive us when we have a catastrophic loss of perspective, as Carson says, which I'm afraid it happens far too often, Father. Help us to, to remember and to delight to think on Your grace in saving sinners like us. And Father, as we think about Galatians 6, those two little verses, especially the second half of verse 7, Father, help us when we are confronted with the temptation to sow to the flesh, help us to remember in that moment that we're going to reap what we sow. Help us to remember that we are going to reap spiritual dryness and spiritual decay, loss of joy, loss of worship, the weeds of sin. Help us in those moments to turn to your throne of grace to find mercy and help in a time of need. And help us, Father, to, to sow to the Spirit. And Father, if there is anyone here who's watching or in the room who has been sowing to the flesh recently, help us, help them to remember and help all of us to remember that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Father. Father, we're so thankful that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners like us. Father, thank you for the word of God that you've given to us. Help us to delight in it more, to think on it more. Help us to make use of prayer more than we do and Father, even now as we worship and sing, I pray that you would be glorified by our singing, and I pray that you would use Mark in a powerful way today. Help us to be attentive to your word. Guard us from distracting thoughts. Help us to, to focus in as Mark preaches, and I pray that we'd be able to apply truth to our lives today. We pray this all in Jesus' name.
Amen.